You're listening to Sister Radio. Are you on a health and fitness journey like me? <laughs> then this show is for you. Fitness coach Conceda Thomas is talking with us about how to live a healthy and whole life. She has some unique tips and insight, and I am definitely taking notes. Here we go. Sister Radio. Conceda, I'm so happy to have you on Sister Radio. Welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. We were just gabbing it up. I think that this interview could go for an hour if we wanted it to. <laughs> Yeah, probably hours, but, you know, I don't know how long your audience will listen, so I'll do my best. I'll do my best. Well, you know, it's interesting because I, part of the reason why I wanted you on the show, besides the fact that I was just saying this to you, that you're really authentic and you're just so real and you connect in a in a just like a very accessible way to people who are on a fitness journey and a weight loss journey and a health journey but I've been just like a little background so you know like why I'm like I need your insight I need your videos is because I um in the past three years have put on about a hundred pounds and I've just yo-yoed in the three years and I'm in my mid-20s getting to I'm 26 so I'm I'm almost at the the other end of my 20s almost at my late 20s and it is hard it is really hard <laughs> to stay consistent and so that's why I needed you on this show I need the insight <laughs> yes yes it can be hard and actually around that age actually a little bit younger is um where I began to struggle, so, like, that's kind of where my whole process started as well, and it can get tricky. It definitely can get tricky really, really quickly. Well, so tell me a little bit about your fitness journey. Like, have you always lived a healthy lifestyle? Did you always want to be a fitness coach? And how did you even become a fitness coach? (laughs) Okay, so, um, no, I was not always, I definitely was not always um, thin, I don't, my, my background is a little bit different than the typical, like, trainer, trans, you know, transformation story turned trainer. I did not grow up a chubby kid. I had zero weight struggles growing up. Actually, if it gives you any insight, my nickname growing up was String Bean, because that's how big I was. So, you know, I was really thin. Um, I was athletic. I was active. And my weight wasn't really something I thought about, like, Ever. Um, so the first time that I ever gained weight was when I went to college. So my freshman year, I gained the freshman 15, and then I gained the sophomore 15, and then like the junior 10, and it just it kept going. And around junior year is when I started um, being concerned and trying to do something about it and experimenting with different diets and such. Um, with with marginal success, definitely nothing sustainable. But I was not studying uh, to become a trainer. I wasn't studying kinesiology, anything. Actually, my first career was engineering. So both of my degrees, both my bachelor and master's are in mechanical engineering. I did have a sub-option in biomechanics, so I was always very interested in the human body. But I can't stand the sight of blood, so I knew I didn't want to be a doctor or a nurse or anything like that. Um, And so when I graduated college, I was working, you know, in corporate America. I was working as an automotive design engineer. 
And that was the first time I seriously tried to lose weight, like drop money on it, hire a trainer, you know, get into Weight Watchers, like the whole, the whole deal. And I struggled, like it was not working. It just wasn't working. I would lose a little bit of weight, gain it back. I was definitely getting more fit. I'm a former athlete. I used to run track. So I had a good time training. My trainers had a good time training me, but I was not getting the physical transformation that I wanted. And that is what sparked my interest in studying personal training and body change because I figured if I had a degree in engineering, I could figure out the whole weight loss thing. So that's the first time I ever studied and got my certification to become a trainer, really to solve my own mess. It was not yet about serving anyone else. Okay. That's actually um something I really like about you is I didn't I actually didn't know your background of having tried the Weight Watchers and personal training. I didn't realize you had all that going on, but I like that because when you give insight and tips, they are very unique and I like a part of me was kind of thinking in the back of my mind, she must like have tried everything <laughs> <laughs> to know what works and what doesn't and like what's really gonna like result in like long-term health opposed to just like losing weight quick because I don't know about you but for me I think I've actually probably seen you say this um losing weight is easy it's the maintaining that's really hard yeah and I would even say losing the initial pounds is easy but for a lot of people even getting to their actual real goal and getting yes. all the pounds off as hard can be challenging yes. too because yes. a lot of times we're not doing what we're doing to lose weight is not how we plan to live and it's not something we enjoy so every single time there's a social event every single time there's a family gathering for some of us to have families every single night at dinner every single time you come home and you see what is normal for you versus this like foreign program that you're trying to follow to lose weight that it's like there's there's friction there and part of eliminating or at least reducing that friction is creating an approach that you can live like I always joke with my clients like this has to be something you could do forever ever forever ever if not <laughs> like just stop let's find something that you could do forever Mm, that's really good insight. Well, so you do things a little differently. How would you describe your approach to health and fitness? I would definitely describe it as no fuss fitness. I actually describe it that way all the time. My goal as a coach and even, you know, for people who have not even yet hired me, just for people reading my blog, my goal is to help people build a lifestyle that makes health and weight management inevitable. So, um, I want to help them get to a place where they can get results and keep results with an approach that literally runs in the background of their lives, much like our operating systems on our computer. Like, it's making things work, but it's not on the screen. When I'm typing up a letter, I don't see the operating system, but I know it's working. It's happening in the background. And so I know that I've succeeded as an educator, as a coach, when I've helped you build a lifestyle where that's happening, where you're not thinking about how many calories do I still have left today? How many minutes of cardio do I need to go back to the gym and get? Where literally your default is a lifestyle that makes the results inevitable. Do you find that like sometimes 
obviously it's not a one size fits all like it, you're saying, you know, we'll find the right. right approach for you. But do you find that there's just like some people you have to do something completely different than what you would do with another person? Absolutely. Absolutely. So here's the thing. So everybody's approach is going to be different. What feels natural, because remember, I said it has to be something. When you do the loop, you have to be able to do to live, like, forever. So, you know, cultural backgrounds, family traditions, personal preferences and, and food choices, um, personal preferences of how you exercise or when or where you exercise, all of that's going to influence what works for you. So I have a framework. Like, I know, like, the big pillars, like, for, for example, I know that getting enough protein every single day is huge when it comes to getting and keeping results without having to battle hunger or cravings. However, how much protein is enough is different from client to client. Where you're getting that protein is different from client to client. My vegetarian clients are not eating the same thing as my baked potato girls. So there's a framework. It's not random. It's not do what you feel, listen to your body, woo-woo, like, it's not that. But it definitely is, okay, here are the pillars, and then how do those fit in your life as opposed to how do you fit your life around those? Well, I think that's encouraging for uh, someone who is signing up for your services is like, I know I'm going to get what I need opposed to like, what's just like the hype? What's, what's in fashion for fitness, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And even with that, it's encouraging, but I'll be honest and tell you, it can be scary for folks because I mean, how long have you read articles or read on social media? This is the way, my secret way, this special way, the, the silver bullet too. So we've been conditioned to think that there are certain rules, there are certain secrets, there is a certain way, um, I need to want it badly enough, I need to comply or die. And a lot of that, while it may feel restrictive and constraining, it, there's also a little bit of, if I just plug myself into the system, results will spit out of the other end. I won't have to think. I won't have to feel. I won't have to make decisions. I can almost, like, smack my credit card on the table, jump into the system, and then out pops the body I want. And we've tried that. We know it doesn't work. But it can be scary for some people. Some people are excited when they hear this. And some people are like, whoa, so, okay, well, how much does the meal plan cost? Well, I'm going to teach you how to eat. Well, how much can I pay you for a meal plan? You know, for some, for some people, that's scary. They just, they're like, tell me what to do and I'll do it. And my rebuttal is, are you currently doing everything that you know to do? Mm. And the answer is always no. Okay, so then that's a thought theory because me adding more information is not going to increase your follow-through. Mm. Okay. You have information. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing that's really hard if you are doing it on your own without a coach is you can make a lot. It's easy to make some mistakes and like really, I mean, I that's what my, the yo-yoing comes in. I'm like, oh, yeah, I lost 15 pounds in two weeks. And then it's like a month later and I'm up 25. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because I've got the I'm information, so but I don't have the the... It's not the right information for me. And I don't know how to say it well, but I think that's what I'm trying to say is like, I've got all this information on social media and the internet, but yet I'm 
like overloaded and not making the best decisions. And it sounds like that's what you're dealing with with a lot of new clients. Exactly, because, I mean, you said it best. So uh, no one to start us for information out here. That's not the thing. So actually what's most helpful is having a filter, a coach or someone that you trust who can say, okay, yes, you know all these 100 things, but based on, but where are you in your journey? What are you currently doing? What is the next, the one to two, next best step to move you from where you are to the next step because I really don't, there are very few things that I have seen on the internet that I would literally just get on the soapbox and say, this is wrong, hands down for everyone in every situation. The challenge with doing it yourself is um, knowing what information is wrong for you at this time in this situation mm. and, and, and knowing the order to get to where you're going in the most expedient way, and I don't mean it's losing weight as quickly as possible, but, like, how, like, what is the one habit that you can change that can fix up to three problems? Because if you know that, you can get more results with less effort. If you don't, you are going to, I mean, you're going to do what I did, because I didn't have a coach to to um, to get to this place. I hired coaches who were giving me, you know, the food list and that kind of stuff. But this was years, years of trial, error, tears, frustration. I'm blessed that I have a lot of friends in the industry, and I used to compete, and I have a lot of friends who who were simultaneously transitioning from the very restrictive way that we lived to more like what I do now. And we, we bounce things off of each other. But I didn't have the benefit of someone who had already done it and who had helped different people with different situations do it to help me identify what matters for me now? Can it be done? Obviously, yes. Um, you know, I am an example of that. Is it more tedious and frustrating? And are there way more tears and frustration and setbacks and restarts when you do it on your own? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. If I had had, or I'm sure there was someone out there, but if I knew a coach like me when I was trying to transition, I would have hired her in a heartbeat because, the shortcut, the shortcut is worth it. And it's not a shortcut, again, as far as results. It's a shortcut with help understanding what does this mean. If I'm struggling with this, what does this mean? Understanding when to make the strategy smaller, when to scale back. Because try harder is not a strategy, and that's largely what we use. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about sugar and carbs, <laughs> my <laughs> my favorite things. <laughs> what are your thoughts on how women eat sugar and carbohydrates, and what should women know about eating sugar and carbs? Well, we have largely fall into two camps. I will say women who are struggling with their weight. I will not say women in general. But women who are struggling with their weight usually fall into two camps on um, opposite ends of the spectrum. So... You have where I was in the beginning where you're just not conscious of it at all. As long as it's whole wheat or whole grain or organic or a 100-calorie snack pack or under a certain amount of calories, as long as you consider in your daily calorie budget, you think it's all good. <laughs> so to you, there's no difference between a 100-calorie snack pack of Oreos and a chicken breast because, hey, this is 100 calories, so I'm good. Um, so a lot of times if you're in that camp, you are just not at all aware of how those foods impact 
your food choices later in the day, how they impact your cravings, how they impact your hunger. For example, how the fact that you may have a bowl of whatever cereals on the market that's, you know, being touted as a 120-calorie bowl and you put berries or whatever, you may not be aware that while that breakfast was extremely low-calorie, that that breakfast is the exact reason why at 10 o'clock you're always headed to the vending machine at work. So there's those of us that fall into that camp, and that was definitely me in the beginning. And then I even had a brief stint on the other extreme where we believe that cars are the enemy, we have been enlightened, we went to a webinar, we read a blog post about sugar, about starches, and we are literally afraid to eat carrots because we have more sugar than spinach. <laughs> so, and, so, and so we're there, we're miserable, we do not like the way we eat, and we think that just trying harder is the solution to the fact that we go three days hardcore, you know, arguing with ourselves whether or not we can have these carrots, and then we go three weeks binging on cookies as a rebound effect, and we don't connect those two. We don't realize that one is causing the other. So that's usually, as women, where we fall in one of those two camps when we're struggling with our weight. And where we need to be is in the middle. And here's what you need to know about carbs. So carbohydrate tolerance and your tolerance for sweets, how much of it you can eat while still reaching your goals and feeling good, not just getting skinny, is highly, highly individual. It depends on it depends on your weight. If you're overweight, how long you've been overweight. How active are you? So if I am a waitress and you work at a desk job, I can probably eat more carbohydrates and sweets and still look and feel good than you can because I'm more active. What type of exercise we're doing? If you're lifting weights all the time and I'm just spinning away on a bicycle when I go to the gym, you are going to be in a better position to um, process carbs in a way that doesn't lead to fat gain. So it depends on all those things. But a really simple shortcut that I give my clients at the beginning is Quality of carbs determines quantity. So I do not believe in the whole no white rice, no white potatoes, no white bread. Again, I think that's a quick fix. If you are going to have goldfish, like I often do from my kids' bags, then I'm not going to have as much of that as I would if I were having a sweet potato. Because the higher the quality, the, the larger the the quantity that I can have without having a negative impact on my results and on my cravings. Oh, see, I can do that. I see. I fall into the first camp where I'm like, "Oh, this is just a hundred calories," <laughs> and like, I, I definitely fall in that. But I can do the sweet potato thing versus like the higher quality of carbohydrate than having just like that one small one hundred calorie snack pack. Like, I can I can do that. So what you're saying to me is like resonating right now. Right. And there's room for the 100 calorie snack pack. And I think this is where um, people can get frustrated a little bit with my approach, maybe um, if they're not dedicated to building habits, because people want good and bad. They want lists. They want do's and do nots. And it really, everything really does depend. Um, some people can be really happy with, you know, I don't know, cocoa chips, you know, like something that's natural. Some people love Oreos, and they are willing to have a 100-calorie snack pack as opposed to the eight that they used to eat a night if it can just be Oreos and not a healthy substitute. Yeah. So it really depends on, on each person and on the preference. 
and digging into that and being honest with yourself about that. Like, I struggled for so many years because I was lying to myself about the fact that I would one day become one of those girls who just like, I didn't like sweets, and it was an occasional taste, and just once on the weekend was enough for me. I like sweets. I like ice cream. I like brownies. And the sooner I just admitted that, that the goal was never to not like that stuff anymore, the goal was to figure out how to still eat that stuff and get fit and stay fit and fit my jeans. The minute I admitted that to myself, possibilities opened up. As long as I was trying to fit myself into someone else's model, I struggled. There, there was a video you put out recently that I loved, and it was interesting to me because I hadn't heard it um, before, and maybe some somebody has, but I'd never heard of this, where your kids were eating donuts, and you were like, what what do I make you eat with your donut? And they were like, hot dog and bacon. And like in my mind, I was like, oh, but that's added calories. <laughs> I just ate the donut, and now I'm eating a hot dog. <laughs> Right, because because again, that's just looking at weight loss from, strictly from calorie balance. And our bodies are not checkbooks. It doesn't work like that. But when you understand hormones, and I don't mean like your female hormones. I mean the hormones that influence fat loss and fat gain. Things like leptin, things like insulin. When you understand that, you're less worried about the calories that you're eating in a meal, per se, and you're more worried about the effect that meal is going to have on your next choice. So if I let my kids just eat donuts, like I'm sure they would like to eat, then what would happen is 30 minutes later, they would be, air quotes, hungry, but usually what my, my son calls snacky, which means don't fix me a meal. I just want to, like, grab some goldfish. And then 20 minutes after that, it would just continue, and that would set off the feeding frenzy for the day because of the signal that they sent with that breakfast. So I don't care that a couple of slices of turkey bacon is an extra 80 calories, if it gives them enough protein to squash that hunger, then that donut and that bacon was a meal, and they're not hungry again until it's time to eat lunch. Yeah. Yeah, I've actually, like, I, I kind of go back and forth with vegetarian and just eating meat, um... As as little as I can, but like when I heard that, I was like, you know what? Because I I am the type of person I'm not giving up donuts for the rest of my life. But I was like, maybe I should start trying, like, and thinking in this way. So that was really helpful. Everybody, watch these videos. <laughs> <laughs> what you're talking about was it was a live video on my Facebook uh, trainer page. Yeah, it was a Saturday morning. During the kitchen at remodel, which is still going on, you know, the walls are stripped out and we're trying to sit there eating donuts and bacon. <laughs> and my son is like giving a lesson. But yes, I remember that video. Yep, they're, they're future fitness coaches in the making, maybe. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. He's already charged me for ninja training. He takes me into the gym in our house and trains me to be a ninja, which, by the way, is hard. Not <laughs> a ninja, but he doesn't care. <laughs> That's adorable. I love that. Mama Ninja. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, so what are some of the best ways to stay consistent? Because I know for a lot of people, and I'll just speak for myself, consistency is has been the biggest hurdle for me. Really, it's really simple. And it's funny. My husband and I were having this discussion in the closet this morning. Uh, he's like, why do you think... The bottom line is most people try and take on too much when they start. So... If you start small and build from there, I call that habit stacking. So figure out what you can do, right? If it may not be 
a workout and a meal plan and drinking water. For some people, it may literally be getting 10,000 steps a day. Now, just be clear that that's not the entire program forever, but if that's what works, if that's what you can do right now, do that every single day. Knock that out 90% of the time for two weeks, then think of adding something else. If for you it's just drinking water, figure out how much that is. If it's eight glasses, start there. Do that 90% of the time for two weeks, and then add something else. Most of us overestimate our future selves. Um, I, I got that, that um, term from a book that I read about on willpower, but the willpower instinct. But it's like our present self is not doing the most basic thing, but we give ourselves just tomorrow, 24 hours later, so much credit. We believe that she is going to be able to do not only what we're not doing today, but five things, five more things. And it just does not work like that. So start small, get the wins, and then stack. And if at any point you're struggling, this is one of the things that I really work on with my one-on-one clients, if at any point you're struggling, look at what you just stacked and figure out a way to make that goal smaller because there is nothing more demotivating than striving and striving and failing and failing and failing. So back the goal up to a place that you can actually execute on, get the win there, get the boost in confidence, build the skill and the habit, and then ramp up. You know, I kind of have a good example of that, of, um, you know, I, I ran my first 5K on Thanksgiving, and I haven't run since, and I just went so, it was, it was a great experience, like, I was like, I did it, you know, because I'm, I am overweight, and like, 100 pounds overweight, and so it was, it was hard, I came in last place, and, um, but I, I really wanted to do it, but it's funny because I basically pushed myself so hard, so fast, and then I haven't run since. And so, but I've been walking for the past 30 days and like, I'm not going to stop walking. Like I can walk all day. And so I realized that like everything you're saying, I'm like, yeah, because I couldn't keep up with something. Like I wasn't even in shape enough for that. Like I was like not, you know, so I think we do that a lot of times, like, cause we just want to jumpstart the thing. Like we want to see it happen. And I think that you're right. That's been my downfall with consistency is like too much, too quick. And like, I'm struggling and I can't breathe and my legs hurt and I'm dead for a week and I'm not going to start pick it up again. So yeah, what you're yeah. saying, I really, I really get that. Yeah, it, it definitely, like, you pushed so hard, and that's what I call white-knuckling it. I got that term from another colleague of mine, Jill, but it's like white-knuckling it. Like, you're so determined, you refuse to give up, and you hit the goal, but it took everything in you to do that, and now you literally have nothing left for maybe, you know, months or years, because that's, that's all you had. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And it's just confirming for me that, like, you know, I've been walking for 30 days and my sisters are all, like, they've r- run the Boston Marathon. I don't know what jeans I got. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know what jeans <laughs> I got. But, like, and so they really were pushing me. They were like, you just got to push yourself, you know, pain is gain. And, and I, I was like, I can't do this. And so I've been walking. And, you know, I, I've actually had the approach where I'm not going to tell them anything. Like, I just, I'm not even filling them in 
because I know what they're going to say. They're going to say, well, you should jog for 10 minutes or jog for 30 minutes. And I'm just not there. I'd rather walk the three miles than jog for 10 minutes and be in pain because my knees hurt and my feet hurt, you know? So it's interesting. Actually, I want to ask you about the scale before, because I know we're kind of getting up to things. I want to talk about the scale. Yes. What are your thoughts on weighing yourself and the scale and, you know, using it? What are your thoughts? I think the scale can be a useful tool as long as it's used in a suite of other tools. So the scale tells you literally how much work gravity has to do to keep you from floating away. That's really (laughs) all it tells you. Um, I have been 185, 89 pounds, like very overweight and like um, busting out of my size 14s, like where they should have been a 16, like, you know, and where my joints were aching. And then I've been 182, 183 pounds with muscle and wearing a size 10 and with, you know, and, and, and tight and hot. So the skill only tells you, you know, the work that Earth is doing to keep you from feeling away. That's all it tells if you use it a while. So I recommend if you're going to use the scale, that's fine. Also take measurements. Also take pictures because that is a complete picture. Um, one of the most pointed examples of this that I have besides mine, you know, the 180-something pounds looking completely different, is a client back when I owned an in-person studio, we used to do a gene drop challenge. And to drive the point home in this particular challenge, I had them weigh themselves or I weighed them in the studio, along with trying on their jeans. Previously, I only had them try on their jeans every two weeks during the challenge, and we snapped pictures, but so many of them wanted to track the weight as well. One of my clients who was one of the top finalists for the challenge, a white pair of jeans, you know how white pair of jeans work, right? Your girl, you get this, that literally could not come past her upper thigh, like it wasn't even on her hips. They fit well enough to be worn with a fitted shirt outside by the time the challenge was over. And her difference in scale weight was one pound. Stop it. Really? Yeah. Crazy. So if she had only been, imagine now if that same client, working as hard as she was, being as consistent as she was, was only tracking her weight, I'm sure she would have given up before the eight weeks was over. I'm sure she would have because it would have felt like I'm working so hard and nothing is happening. But it would have been, I'm working so hard and I'm measuring all the wrong things. Wow. Okay. That, like, is so, that gives me some relief because, you know, my I went to my doctor and my doctor's kind of old school. And actually, she's a new doctor for me. And, like, one of the things that she was saying, she was like, you need to weigh yourself weekly. And I was like, girl, I'm going to be crying <laughs> once a week. <laughs> like... And and the truth was, I was feeling, it was funny because I, I, she had weighed me and I was like, wow, that seems really high. Like, I thought, I, I've been walking, I've been making sure that I get more water, not trying to eat so much junk food late at night. Although I did slip a couple times. <laughs> but, you know, so when I went in there and that was like her advice for me, like as if that was like a solution, I just was so defeated <laughs> walking out of there. And I was like, that's why I got had to ask you. And so now I feel like a little more empowered like okay I was right like that it isn't healthy to just rely completely on the number on the scale okay no and here's the thing too like because the act of standing on the scale every week was going to magically melt down the pound 
no. And just like you said, it really, the more emotionally attached to the number my clients are, the less I suggest that they actually weigh, if that makes sense. Yes. You mentioned feeling accomplished, feeling like you were making the right moves for your health, feeling like you were getting some traction. That number seemed high, which to me says you felt lighter. But then the number became the concrete thing that totally invalidated all your feelings about it totally that your motivation and sense of accomplishment. And the motivation and sense of accomplishment is what was going to spur the next step on your journey, not the number on the scale. Yes. Actually, a lot of people I've noticed actually have like reverse behavior. And my husband and I, we were talking about this this morning, they get some progress, they see some change, and they're like, okay, I can relax. It doesn't take all of that. I'm out of the old crap zone. So then they have this lot backwards because they're no longer in the old crap zone. So, yeah, it's not the end-all be-all for sure. What is some health advice that you live by? Okay, so most, I love that question. Most of the health advice that I live by is mindset-based. So I'm going to share the mindset stuff first and then the tactical stuff. The mindset list is way longer than the tactical stuff. So the first thing is I try my best to be happy and have fun, which is why a lot of my videos are very goofy because I feel that your attitude and your outlook definitely influences your actions, which build your outcomes. So a lot of times it's funny. Um, it's funny but sad. So a lot of times when I first start out with clients, like, I never tell them this directly, but they can be so negative. Like, I'll say, oh, this week I noticed that you improved this. Yeah, but I didn't lose weight yet. Or, oh, you got more push-ups. Oh, but I still can't do those deadlifts. Well, you know what? What you focus on grows. And focusing on what's still wrong is not motivating. So if you put all of your attention there and if you can't find a way to be happy and right, at whatever size, you can get as skinny as you want. You're still not going to be happy in life. You're just going to be smaller and miserable. So the first thing is just practicing being happy, having joy, and having fun because that's more motivating than anything else. Um, the other thing is I really work on looking on the bright side or the blessing in anything, <laughs> like when it comes to my weight loss journey and even in life. Recently, we had a lot of unexpected stuff happening around my house, and, you know, it's taken a lot more of my work day than normal. It's summer. My kids have different schedules. I'm drowning a little bit when it comes to productivity, but I was texting um, my friend. I said, you know, the good news is, is that I have the know-how and the resources to handle every single thing that's coming my way. That's a huge blessing because there are other people getting the same type of news that don't have a solution. They either don't know how to solve it or they know how, but they don't have the resources to solve it. So looking on the bright side is huge. So if you have a week where you've lost no weight, but you did everything right, realizing that, hey, I just proved to myself that I can do everything right. So what will my results look like if I keep going with that for three more weeks? Ooh, let's get excited about that. Let's get curious. Let's see. Mm. Instead of focusing on the fact that I deserve to have a result because I did everything right. Nothing in life is guaranteed except for the fact that there are no guarantees. So be happy about, you know, find a way to be happy in your state while moving to the next state. And that's like, I think, the challenge of the human condition in general. And realizing that I have choices and my choices matter. 
So I intended to eat two slices of pizza and it ended up being half a slice. Now what? Do I off the cookies too because I can't believe I did this? Or do I go to sleep and have my workout in the morning not to make up for it or to burn off the pizza, but because that's who I want to be. I want to be the girl that gets her workout done every day. Mm. So those are the things that I live by. And then the tactical stuff is really simple. Like, um, I eat protein with every single meal, hands down. That's something that I don't have to work on anymore. The other two is I drink water every day and I eat veggies every day. Now, I will admit if I'm on vacation or out of the country, the water, the veggies, they may slip and slide a little bit, but never to the point of being nothing. But hands down, I eat protein with my meals. So even if it's a donut, it's a side of bacon, as you saw. <laughs> that, 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 like, the tactical stuff, that's what I live by. But honestly, without the mindset stuff, even that wouldn't be as helpful. It's really good. Oh, that's all so good. Well, that makes me ask you, want to ask how in the heck do you manage it all? Your family, your health, your business. How do you manage? This is more like a personal question than, than a weight that's loss fine, question. But, that's fine. Yeah. But it's so relevant, right? Because yeah. weight loss is a priority, but it's not the priority. So every single person listening to this who wants to lose weight, like literally they have to manage stuff too. So I will say first thing first, Jesus and lots of prayer. Like literally yesterday morning, I was in a funky headspace, and I talked about the importance of protecting that. And so I'm driving my kids to camp, and my son's like, Mom, can you play kids about kids? And my daughter's like, Mommy, I want to hear toddler music. I'm like, it, it's the gospel station this morning. That is what we're listening to this morning. And my son's like, why? I need to get my head right. How, how can your head be wrong? What does it look like to get right? How does gospel music help? So really, um, that is my... That's my secret source, not so secret source, actually. Um, and with that, knowing that I don't have, like, I don't have it all together. I don't pretend to have it all together. I prioritize. I use systems. I use checklists. I use routines. I shamelessly ask for help and forgiveness often. And I realize that no one is perfect but Jesus, so I stop trying to be perfect and I just do my best and let God make up the difference. <laughs> I That's love it. it. I love it. It's so good. Okay. All right. I'm feeling all of that. Well, so how do yeah, you... Yeah, like hot mess. Like literally, and, and, and knowing that that's a part of the journey, because social media can be so deceptive. Like you said, how do you keep it all together? And I'm going to start doing this, because my pastor at church made a joke about this, too. Because, yes, of course we go live when we're eating the donuts and the bacon. I don't typically go live when my daughter is screaming. You know, I have on no shirt. And half a pair of shorts and she's hanging from my leg and my son is having a meltdown. No one's going live at that point. <laughs> so, but those points do happen in my house weekly. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. I love it. Well, so one of the things that, um, in working with women that, I am sure you experience this. There's a lot of like empowerment that just happens through your coaching sessions. How do you hope to empower women through your work and coaching? My biggest hope is to give them not even permission, but like a charge to show up for themselves like they show up for other people. That's the first thing. We as women are some of the most reliable, hardworking, bends over backward to make it happen for you people and we don't show up for ourselves in the same way um as a theme now there are some of us that are exceptions but a lot of us don't and those of us that do 
I would even say the small percentage of us that do, majority of us feel guilt around it. So I hope to charge women to show up for themselves like they do for others, but more so than give them that charge, which can be, you know, defeating in and of itself. Give them the tools to make it happen without compromising their commitment to show up for others. Because most of us know, like we get it intellectually. We know that the better I take care of myself, the better I can take care of others. We know that I can't pour from an empty cup. We've read it. We have the means. We may even have a bumper sticker. But when the rubber meets the road and it's 2 o'clock in the morning and your 2-year-old has a fever and you're up nursing them to health till 5 a.m. when they finally fall out, what are the tools that are going to empower you to still have a good day the next day, to still get your workout, to still eat healthy? Like, what are the shortcuts that you can use to make that happen? Mm-hmm. Because what's not going to happen is you're not going to just put your kid in the room and close the door because mommy needs a workout. But I have to sleep. Like, that's not going that's not going to happen. No, no, it's not. <laughs> and, and those are those key moments. That's the friction, if you will, that keeps us from showing up for ourselves like we show up for others. Either because, one, we don't have a commitment to doing it, or two, even if we want to commit to doing it, we don't know how without degrading the quality of service that we give to others, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that it's like one of those things you kind of have to find your stride in that and, and take? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can give you strategy all day long. Number one, if you don't want it to happen. Number two, if you don't believe it can happen. And number three, if you are not committed to practicing those strategies to see which ones are going to work for you, which ones are going to feel natural to you, which ones you can um, come to come to a place where they do feel natural, then it's not going to happen. So every, even when I'm coaching with my one-on-one clients, you know, I tell them, okay, so our new potential strategy for that solution is this. What's going to determine whether or not it's really a strategy is you're, you're going to need to do it and you're going to need to pay attention to whether or not, whether or not it's working and you're going to need to tell me. Because if it's not working, I have a list of about three other potential strategies, but the only way to know if this works for you is to actually do it. So you have to move out of that learning phase and into that action phase. It's good. It's really good. Yes, learning to action. Okay, got it. I could do that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So if you, oh, I, I, so this is my fun question for you. This, uh, I'm excited okay. to hear your answer. <laughs> and I feel like it's appropriate with Wonder Woman having just come out. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, so what, if you were a superhero, which all women really are, but if you were a superhero, what would your superpower be? My superpower would be to be completely refreshed, energetic, and in a good mood on zero sleep. And here's why. <laughs> because I'm, 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 I'm getting better at delegating and outsourcing and eliminating, but there are so many things that I actually enjoy doing um, that that superpower would be helpful. I enjoy coaching women. I enjoy hanging out with my husband, hanging out with my friends. I actually enjoy the process of teaching my children. I don't homeschool, but we have what we call mommy school, which is like a, uh, it's a curriculum that I run alongside of what they're doing in school. And I enjoy that. And it takes prep. And I have meal plans and things, I'm not meal plans, <laughs> meal plans. I have lesson plans um, and progress charts that I use for that. And I totally know that I can outsource that and we can hire tutors and we can just whatever happens in school, be what happens in school. But I actually enjoy that process. So if I could, you know, 
be completely refreshed and have energy and not have crazy, crazy cravings, um, running on zero sleep, then I could do all the stuff that I love to do, the stuff that I don't want to outsource all the time, as opposed to kind of juggling what happens today. Yeah, I think I think every mother out there listening to this is like, yup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is me. That is him there. Like, I, yeah, that's an easy question. Okay. Not, <laughs> You're like, I didn't even like... have to think about it. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man, if only, if only. You never know, but... <laughs> Right. <laughs> so I've got my final question for you. Um, yeah, what does being a sister mean to you? I don't know if you actually have any sisters. We haven't gotten that far in our conversations, but yeah, what does being a sister mean to you? So I don't have any biological sisters, but I have some amazing sorority sisters and sisters, sister-in-laws. And um, what being a sister means to me is trying your best to see the other person's perspective without judging them, um, to really not think about why does she do it that way or I wouldn't do it that way, but to really try and put yourself in those shoes and think, why might she do it that way or why does she feel that way? I don't agree, but how could how could someone come to feel this way or how could she come to feel that way? Um, I think that's an essential part of being a sister because that allows you to really um, come alongside someone and not judge them and to live harmoniously with them, even if they're completely different than you. <laughs> so so I think that, and then just showing up for yourself like you show up for others, because then when you show up for others, you can do so without resentment. If I'm robbing for me to give to you, it's really not a gift because I resent it and you can feel it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a trap some of us fall into without really being, like, conscious or aware of it. But, yeah, the second you can get into that, you'll be able to give so much more. Yeah. And freely. And truly give. And not resist it. I love that. Yeah, sisters are all about giving. <laughs> that's for sure. Yes. I love yes. that. Giving and identifying. Yes, that's good. Well, Conceda, this was so fun for me, and I know everybody out there listening is going to feel more motivated, feel more grounded, and hopefully reach out to you. So where can they find you on Twitter and Facebook? Well, well my website is com, and for your listeners, I have um, have a few freebies and specials. So if they go to com slash sisterradio, then um, they'll be able to get a free workout. They'll be able to get a free two-week trial and coaching club. Um, and then they'll be on my list. So any future offers that I have out there, just my weekly insights and tips and recipes, they'll have that. So concedathomas.com slash sister radio. And then if they're just looking to connect with me on social and see those crazy videos <laughs> that my family and I do, I'm Conceda Thomas everywhere on social. So Facebook, Periscope. Twitter, Instagram, but I'm most active on Facebook, Periscope, and Twitter. Love it. Yes, everyone go follow. Get on there. Add the code. <laughs> I'm going to jump on there after I get off the phone with you. <laughs> yes. It's going to yes. be great. Thank you again. It was such a pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. 
You've been listening to Sister Radio. Special thank you to Conceda Thomas. That was so fun. And I hope you all are starting to feel, yeah, confident and motivated in your health and fitness journey. We love y'all. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we'll be seeing you. Love y'all. Sister Radio.